Today on the Daily Scoop podcast from the Scoop News Group, the small business model for expanding the government's contracting base. I have been working with a number of small businesses who are really benefiting from the research that they can do for the Air Force and what they're able to do and what the Air Force is able to utilize that they're doing. And a new strategy and new terminology for war fighting. We are at the dawn of a new way to fight. And that way to fight is with data, right? Uh, If you look at big tech companies, they all have undergirded themselves with telemetry. It's Wednesday, May 11th, 2022. Welcome to the Daily Scoop podcast. Every afternoon, you'll learn what's going on today in government. I'm the host of the Daily Scoop podcast, Francis Rose. Here's what's happening now. Agencies will partner with industry to develop customer experience metrics that drive outcomes instead of outputs, according to the Federal Chief Information Officer. Claire Martirana says the life journeys concept, like the one in the president's management agenda, is the next step for agencies. Martirana says her office will offer agencies new survey tools to support policy development and user research. The Defense Innovation Unit will use artificial intelligence to match military talent to work opportunities in the Pentagon. The Gig Eagle app will match personnel with gigs in AI, information technology, human systems, autonomy, and space, among other areas. DIU says testing of the app will open up later this year. You can read more about these headlines and lots of other news at fedscoop.com. Voting's open now for the best bosses in federal IT. You can vote for the best bosses till May 20th. You can find a link to see the nominees and vote in today's show notes at thedailyscooppodcast.com. The Small Business Administration will get a budget boost to help small companies learn how to sell to the federal government if it gets its budget request from Congress. The SBA would aim that money at companies that would diversify the contracting base. Angela Stiles is a partner at Aiken Gump. She's former administrator of federal procurement policy. Angela, welcome. Thanks for coming on the program. Your successor, Joe Jordan, was with me last week, earlier this week, I guess, to help me understand what the SBAs ask for and what they do with the money. What do you see when you look at this question what does the landscape look like at helping new companies get into the contracting base well i think it's a very interesting landscape i do think this administration has focused on small businesses in a way i haven't seen a focus um, in quite some time Uh, they started out with an equity executive order in january 2021 omb issued a memo on equity and federal contracting in december of 2021 I have seen a focus at the federal agencies on trying to reach out to small businesses, whether it's in procurements or grants. And so in terms of making sure more federal dollars are appropriately going to small businesses, um, it is clearly at the top of the political agenda at most agencies. And that's a good thing, uh, but it's a question of how it's coordinated and I think how much more OMB can coordinate it because at the end of the day, they're going to be the most effective agency at coordinating this and have taken some pretty significant steps with the memo that they did issue in December and the plans that are now coming out from agencies. Um, And and SBA can play a role in that. Um, It's just not always the same role that OMB can play in really forcing the agencies to do more for small businesses. What do we have now across government to ensure that so whatever SBA, if they get this money and they they build these programs, that it's not duplicated somewhere already, that somebody's not doing this a similar thing or the same thing and that everybody knows what the gaps are potentially in helping these companies do more business with the government? 
you know, a lot of it is really agency by agency. So a company that's selling commercial products to GSA is going to be very different from a company that's doing IT development for the Air Force. And each agency has a small business office. Um, if they're, you know, historically called Ausdaboos, I think the statute still calls them the Office of Small Disadvantaged Business Utilization as well. And they do meet and they, you know, different levels of effectiveness by agency with how they reach out, with how they give procurement forecasts to small businesses, how they operate to help and develop and train small businesses as well. Um, so it has been agency by agency. Now, there are obviously things in federal procurement that are common um, to all companies doing business with the government. But a lot of it for small businesses is that first outreach. How do I make that first contact with the program office, with the people who are going to want to buy, not the contracting officers, the people who are going to want to buy at the program level, what I have to offer. And that really is agency by agency because each agency is quite different in what they do in their missions. And it sounds like the way you're describing it, that it should stay agency by agency to some degree that maybe there should be some connective tissue as you've described these Ozdabu offices do talk to each other, collaborate and so on. Sounds like it, you think it should stay that way. Am I hearing you right? I think it should stay that way. I do think that both OMB and my old office, OFPP, and the SBA can really do a better job of bringing that together. What is the collective training that every office that can offer, that every, um, uh, every that, uh, that SBA could put together and every office can use for the small businesses that they're working in? And so there are collective efforts that they unquestionably can do together and fulfill a role of coordination, learning from each other. You know, one agency learning, oh, well, this worked well for me in terms of outreach. These are, you know, the, the kind of things I put together so that the program people could meet these small businesses that might be able to do the work for them. You wrote recently, there are some good things going on at DOD in the SBIR program. What do you see there that you like, Angela? I love DOD's outreach and utilization of small businesses for really commercialization. So small business innovation research and DOD has done just an excellent job, whether it's through um, Army's Future Command or Defense Innovation Units um, or just the Air Force itself. I mean, I have been working with a number of small businesses who are really benefiting from the research that they can do for the Air Force and what they're able to do and what the Air Force is able to utilize that they're doing and how it's then taking, because there's unique intellectual property provisions in SBIR contracts, the companies are then able to take it and commercialize it and sell it commercially, which is just really a terrific program. And I've seen an, an extraordinary increased use of it at DOD. There's a, actually a controversy right now because the leader of DIU is leaving uh, Mike Brown, because and one of the things that he's expressed is he's not getting the resources and the support that he needs to be able to maximize what DIU is able to do. Is that usually what it comes down to in this area, Angela? Is that the, some of these programs get starved and they don't they don't ever fulfill their potentials? That's exactly it. It's all about the money. And you know what I've seen at some some pieces of DOD is really they're reaching out, they're finding the money. And they're using it for these small businesses and for these SBIO programs to the benefit of both the department as well as, you know, the small business and the improvement and commercialization of technology generally. Is the number of small businesses participating in the defense industry or excuse me, participating in the broader government contracting base 
the number to use to determine if this SBA proposal, if that goes through or any other small business um, help uh, program, is that raw number the only measure of success or are there other measures of success as to whether this is really helping? I think there's a lot of different measures of success. Um, I found that at OFPP that the numbers are a little fungible. There's a numerator and the denominator and the full spend of the federal government has never been the denominator for that. But for me, the measure of success is the number of businesses successfully participating, new entrants that might not otherwise participate, um, and their ability to then take what they learn and sell more to the federal government or sell more commercially or bring advancements to technology. I remember enough algebra to remember that numerator and denominator gave me headaches, Angela. So I'm going to pass over that idea and just ask you to, as we close, what what do you expect to see that would benefit small? I mean, that's the ultimate goal here. The programs are the programs and all of that. What do these companies need in order to get to the place that uh, the budget request and that you, when you were there and all these other people who have tried to help this situation over the years want to achieve? So, you know, they need to know how to understand what they provide and who may need that in the federal government, a way to actually introduce new entrants to the different departments, agencies, and sub-agencies that may be able to use their products or services. That facilitation is really the hardest part of this, you know, learning how to contract, learning the compliance issues, everybody can do that. But figuring out how to access the program people and to make sure that the right connections are made, that is really the critical piece. And, you know, from my perspective, it is agency by agency. you got to make sure you find your way in and develop business in some ways like you do in the commercial marketplace, too. Yeah, that strikes me when you explain it that way. It strikes me that there is no enterprise wide solution for this, that it really becomes incumbent on each agency to just accelerate the outreach, whatever outreach they're doing already to really hit the gas pedal. Right. And I do think they are. I mean, I, I've seen it a little bit more in the grant world recently where you probably never saw a focus on small business. And I'm starting to see that in a lot of the notices of funding opportunity. How much are you using small businesses? How much are you using people? Are you a small business? And so you, you there's been a real political change in that. And I think one for, for the best. Angela Stiles, great to talk to you again. Thanks very much. Thank you very much. You can read more about the training money the SBA requested in today's show notes at thedailyscooppodcast.com. I'm Francis Rose, the host of the Daily Scoop podcast. The lineup for the Government Innovation Strategy and Technology Conference next Thursday is stacked. The conference is happening at the International Spy Museum in downtown D.C. You can find a link to see the agenda, see the speaker list, and sign up in today's show notes at thedailyscooppodcast.com. The Air Force is reviewing results from the Bravo Zero Hackathon. It's the service's first secret classification hackathon. Stuart Wagner is the chief digital transformation officer at the Air Force. In this highlight from the latest episode of the Let's Talk About IT podcast, he tells my FedScoop colleague Billy Mitchell access to data is only one part of what the Air Force wants to learn. But the other key part to understand is that if you have to produce uh, capability without the data, that's, that's uh, arguably not even a data-driven approach. You're, you're build, it's, it's like, it's like uh, building something, expecting the data to be some way, but you don't actually know that it's that way unless you go and run it on the real data. Now, there are many who argue that you should, you should 
you know, you, you could just, why don't you just produce synthetic data, fake data? Um, you know, maybe, maybe, um, you know, excuse my French BS data. So, so synthetic data can be quite good, but synthetic data, uh, makes assumptions about your data set, loses signal from that data, and, and, and also can make it significantly harder to understand the data. So if the algorithm you produce on the synthetic data isn't working as effectively as you might expect, when you start to look at that data, it's fake data. And so as a data scientist, your best way to develop is always going to be starting with what is the real representation of data I have, and then augmenting it with synthetic or other forms of data, right? But if you don't have the real data, you're, 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 you're developing on, 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 on a set of assumptions. And I personally don't want to develop war systems on a set of assumptions when the data exists. And so, um, so, so, so the key thing here is we were able to allow people to quickly bring in unapproved, it's approved, I, I should be careful with my words here, software that would otherwise not be ATO'd in a production system, but was allowable within our development environment and then could be run on operational secret level weapon system data. And so that allowed us to understand that data and build emergent capability off of that data very quickly. Notably, whatever was built was not approved to go to production, but it validated use cases, allowed us to create emergent capability, and allowed us to basically learn and iterate far quicker and get around, if you will, the, 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 the ATO process for the iteration part of developing capability. Does that kind of make sense? Yeah, absolutely. That's that's really fascinating. And and as you mentioned, it's the first hackathon at the secret classification level. Why is that important and what challenges came in, in getting to that point? So we've since learned that there was, I know NASIC through one hackathon, uh, through a hackathon. I know uh, there, there probably have been a couple of other events that are kind of like our event uh, that were at a classified level, but we're, we're unaware of any event that invited the entire Department of, the def- uh, of Defense to do so. And we're unaware of, 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 of an environment where, where they were able to kind of cross this bridge and go from, from basically unapproved software to approve for a development environment software in a matter of minutes and bring that data in. So, and, and, and so I, I wanted to correct that. There have been a few efforts that, that have done this. What were the challenges you faced during the hackathon and what did they ultimately illuminate about the larger cultural impediments at play in the Department of Defense around data? Yeah, so, so why don't we talk about kind of like the big vision here of what we're trying to do. So, so I've kind of told you about the tactical and what we're, what's the problem we're trying to solve, but here's, here's the big vision. So effectively, what we're trying to build is data-driven kill chains. Right. Let's let's I'll be blunt about it. Data driven kill chains, dynamic kill chains based on the collection of data. What's the purpose of a kill chain? Right. The purpose of a kill chain is to actually uh, produce dilemmas. And ultimately, if you were to execute them, destroy adversary kill chains, just like their kill chains are designed to destroy ours. And, and ultimately, if you can produce more dilemmas for the adversary than they can produce for you, you kind of have an advantage. Right. So. Why data-driven? So here's what we're imagining, right? In the case of an Air Force, let's think of kinetic action for a moment. 
if, if, if I have a jet return and, and, and it's encountered adversary, it may not have fired a shot. It may have fired a shot. Um, as soon as it encounters adversary, um, ideally, I would want to get all of the data collected off of that system. And what I would want to do is then inform my entire uh, operational, tactical, and strategic processes within the Air Force to incorporate that signal from that data. And so uh, it may be that they send it, you know, if it's a high, very high bandwidth connection, which largely I don't think anybody really has that today, it may be sent over that, or it may be the jet lands and then we pull the data off. And then what should take place after that moment is basically a rapid uh, extraction of signal that starts and kicks off a series of processes that rapidly inform our, 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 our capability. And this would be everything from updating the jet with new information that it learned, changing the software on that jet to identify, uh, perhaps as it sees a new capability, update the jet with the new capability that we, we, we've, we've optimized the jet software for now. Uh, perhaps informing cyber in some way. Uh, and then finally, uh, and this is the most interesting one, I think, informing our TTPs, our tactics, techniques, and procedures. And so if we see uh, a new way that the adversary fights, or we see a gap in the way they fight, well, we should, we should be simulating against that. We should be simulating what their capability is, and we should be coming up with a new, with a new set of tactics based on whatever we've discovered. Now, notably, um, most of the time, we, there may be no update from that process, but, but, but if it was a, a significant or serious encounter, it, it could result in significant updates. And so what, what, what I actually think these hackathons will do is build capability, like I just described, iterative capability to enable us to fight better so that if we go to say, if, if, if we get into a conflict with a foreign nation, a nation that, that has other values than ours, that, that has likely started a war with us, you know, we can adapt faster than them using data off our weapons systems. And so this hackathon, it might look like, you know, uh, some, some people have used the word innovation theater or, 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 um, or, or, you know, an innovation event. No, no, no. This is a capability to go fast, to, to develop weapon systems faster during um, peacetime. And uh, unfortunately, if, if, if the time exists, uh, wartime. Stu, you told FedScoop earlier this year, shortly after the hackathon, that the Air Force is in need of another Billy Mitchell moment. Selfishly, I'd love to hear that given the name, but I assume you're referring to Billy Mitchell, the storied father of the Air Force. What do you mean by that? Absolutely. So, so, the story of Billy Mitchell, uh, for for your listeners, is really is really an incredible story in military history. I don't I don't know of another senior leader in the Department of Defense who who was so disagreeable, and who actually um, at his rank, which at the time was was a one star general um, and or colonel, depending on and 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 when in history you're talking about him, who who actually went against and bucked the system so hard and won. And so um, the event that took place, Project B, of which our, 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 our name comes from, Bravo, um, Project B, basically what, what, what Billy Mitchell argued was that bombers defeat battleships and are a much higher return on investment vehicle to, 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 to basically achieve 
your 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 goals in, in basically war, which is to defeat the adversary. And so he would say, you know, basically something along the lines of 10 bombers could defeat a battleship, but a battleship costs a thousand bombers to produce. And so he argued bombers can defeat battleships and sink them. There was actually very limited record at that time that that was true. And the secretary of the Navy and the secretary of the war, he went public with this. He 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 excoriating he excoriated senior leadership um, on that topic because the Navy was investing heavily into into battleships at the time and that was a priority of of, of you know at the time just Army and Navy so one of our one of the two services were all in on battleships at the time and Billy Mitchell said no 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 um, we should be we should be you know paying for airfare and 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 producing and resourcing um, air capability. And, and, and so uh, he convinced them to ultimately authorize an event to test his, his, um, his, 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 his beliefs, right? And, and, and that test was designed uh, by senior leadership to, to allow, to, 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 to effectively, um, to demonstrate to the world that Billy Mitchell was wrong, right? That's, that was the purpose of Project B. Well, let's not sugarcoat it. They believed that he was entirely wrong and that the ships that they were going to use were largely unsinkable by bombers. And he proved them wrong. And so the, the, the naming convention behind what we wanted to do was provide an environment for any airman or guardian or eventually when we go joint, any member of the military or DOD civilian or even contractor and or industry to prove us wrong, to, 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 to go and, and using data and software and eventually at our hackathons, hopefully hardware, prove what is the ideal way to fight at this moment in time and come up with emergent and new capability rapidly uh, and get it in front of senior leaders. And, and, and I don't have a problem being wrong when, 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 when somebody shows me data that changes my viewpoint. And so that's why we named it that event. That's why we named it that. Why is this a Billy Mitchell moment? So the effect of Project B was that uh, number one, about 20 years later, the Air Force was created. He literally created another military service uh, because he said, this is a new way to fight, which is from the air. And it's gotta be its own, own department, uh, its own military department. It also resulted in resourcing for aircraft carriers. Uh, the Navy bought in eventually. Um, and and, and, and um, it also demonstrated, you know, like I said, that, 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 a, that, a, um, that anybody that, 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 you know, a non-super senior, this is a non-four-star general, could change the way we fought. And so we believe that we are at the dawn of a new way to fight. And that way to fight is with data. Right. Uh, if you look at big tech companies, they all have undergirded themselves with telemetry, the automatic collection of data. If you look at Facebook feeds, those feeds are produced by collecting data about you or TikTok feeds. If you look at the way Microsoft um, goes about uh, prioritizing uh, health of systems, uh, they automatically collect data off your computer, off an Xbox off of all sorts of different machines that run the Windows kernel to, to ultimately make sense of and improve the user experience. 
And if you look at subscription-based services like Google Cloud or Azure Cloud or AWS, they're also doing the same thing. They're consuming data and then targeting um, based on that data. And even ads, ads is the same. Um, they're targeting off of data they collect on you. Similarly, I think we're at the dawn of a new age in which our weapon systems must automatically collect data, fuse and make sense of that data using algorithms and human beings and data scientists that review that data. That then informs the operation, calibration, uh, and future development of those weapon systems. What I'm describing is an agile development process for weapon system design, implementation, execution, and operation. And that's why I refer to it as, as a data-driven kill chain or a dynamic kill chain. And um, if we can refine, you know, and that's, that's important because just like we should design our systems to ultimately change um, and adapt to, to adversary capability and to avoid adversary kill chains, similarly, they will design their systems to avoid ours. And so we need to increasingly calibrate our weapon systems to most effectively target and protect, uh, target adversary capability and protect our nation. And doing so based on data is, is perhaps a new phenomenon automatically based on data. Certainly people have done it in the past. Humans analyze data off of weapon systems, but to do so automatically, pipe it into a bigger vision like JSC2 uh, or, 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 or the joint warfighter concept, that is, that is what we are trying to ultimately demonstrate uh, and prototype in our environment today. Stuart Wagner, the Chief Digital Transformation Officer at the Air Force on the new episode of the Let's Talk About IT podcast with my FedScoop colleague, Billy Mitchell. You can find a link to listen to the whole show and subscribe to Billy's podcast in today's show notes at thedailyscooppodcast.com. The Daily Scoop podcast is available on all the podcast platforms. If you don't want to miss a show, you can subscribe and get the show every weekday on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever else you get your shows, and on any device you get your shows. And if you really like the Daily Scoop podcast, leave us a five-star review and a rating. It'll help more people find the show. The Daily Scoop podcast is a production of the Scoop News Group in Washington, D.C. James Mahoney helps me put the show together, and the entire Scoop News Group team contributes. The Daily Scoop podcast is back tomorrow afternoon. I'm Francis Rose. Thanks for listening. 